first part of that scripture tells us Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, the scriptures make it clear. Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And guys, that is everyone that's in the family of God because there was a time where we were not in the family of God. And Jesus came for a very specific reason because he longed for all of us to be in his family, to be made right with him. And we're actually, you know, I, I don't wish I've ever done this, honestly, but I actually want to start out this part of the service before I actually get in the heart of my message with communion. You know, when you, when you think about Friday, it was a dark day. Jesus, the one who had shown love and compassion and preached as no one else had ever preached, and what did he receive for that? The cross. Those who just a week earlier had said, Hosanna to God in the highest, who placed their robes down as he began to travel on that colt, that donkey. But then it was just a few days later when they had a choice of Barabbas, a notorious criminal, or Jesus being released. They chose the notorious criminal. But all this was according to the scriptures. All this was according to God's plan. And certainly the disciples, when that first Passover occurred, how could they know the full significance of what he was saying? They were preparing to remember how God's people were released from bondage in Egypt, how he had set them free after the plagues and that final plague when the death angel passed over because of the, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. But he was saying, I am the Lamb of God. And when they celebrated that first Lord's Supper, they were celebrating in their midst the sacrifice for their sin and praise God for our sin. And so if you have your communion cup here, let's remember inside this first plastic covering is a little wafer that, of course, represents his broken body. He held nothing back. He was, he was crushed and he was broken. And then just a week ago when we looked at the death of Christ, I have had in the past, when we think of the crucifixion, going in detail with all of his suffering, but last week we looked at the detail of the compassion of God. How could compassion be shown in any greater way than the cross he told us to do this ceremony to remember him to remember what happened at calvary and as a way of worship and so i encourage you as you take this wafer let's do this in remembrance of christ remember the fact that he was the Lamb of God and we have been cleansed by his blood. A, a lamb without spot or defect or blemish. He was the only one who could be the sacrifice of salvation because he was sinless. And by his death, you and I have life.
And as we drink of Jesus, we are reminded of such love that he gave his all that we might be forgiven. So I encourage you to open this part of the plastic as we drink of the juice and to remember his presence. Oh, God, we just want to worship you, Lord. We just want to remember Calvary. We want to remember that your death was not only for those present at the cross. It was for us. And, and Father, we just stop and, and we glorify you, Lord. Father, continue to, to remind us of you, Lord as we contemplate the greatness of what you have done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, we move from the cross, that great sacrifice. I love this part. It's the celebration. Because you know what the resurrection is? The resurrection is proof without a doubt of who Jesus is. When he died and he was placed in that tomb, it was the perfect sacrifice. But being God, he didn't stay there. He came out of that tomb. And he is alive. And, and so, I want to start out here. Chuck Swindoll loves to collect epitaphs you know, that are found on tombstones. And I want to read just some of them with you. One read, Beneath this silent stone is laid a noisy, antiquated maid who from her cradle talked to death and never before was out of breath. Here's another one. Here lies returned to clay Miss Arabella Young, who on the 11th day of May began to hold her tongue. <laughs> At one woman, she pinned her own epitaph. Yeah. Now, I think her point's obvious. It said, uh, Dear friends, I am going where washing isn't done, or cooking or sewing. Don't mourn for me now or weep for me never, for I go to do nothing forever and ever. She was tired, wasn't she? Another woman who obviously, after the death of her husband, was looking to be remarried. This is what's on her tombstone. Sacred to the memory of my husband, John Barnes, who died January 3rd, 1803. His lovely young widow, aged 23, has many qualifications of a good wife and yearns to be comforted. And, and one more. This is Jedediah Goodwin. Uh, he was an auctioneer. His tombstone simply says, Jedediah Goodwin, born 1828, going, going, gone. Death is what we will all face unless the Lord returns before us. We cannot escape death. As a matter of fact, it's calculated that somewhere within this worship hour in the world, if, if you calculated, there will be 6,000 people in the world die. Because death will occur. And that's just in this hour. A little more than 150,000 people will more than likely die today. And around 55 million people all over the world over the course of this year will die. We cannot escape death. But fortunate for us, Jesus overcame. 
Jesus is victorious. That's what today is all about. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. That is the, our hope. And it says on here in 1 Corinthians 15 that we, that we just read that if he is not risen, we are the most pitied of all people. But praise be to God, he is risen. And I want to look at, there are five times in the scriptures where Jesus brought back others from the dead. Matter of fact, you know, Jesus kept messing up funerals. Every funeral that he attended, people came back to life. And just these five cases here, and I want to do two of those this morning. The first, which we are going to talk about, is in Luke 7, and it is a young man's funeral procession. In John 11, uh, there's the raising of Lazarus. Mark 5, the daughter of Jairus. In Matthew 27, various saints who were in the grave rose to life. And then, of course, the fifth, and the one we so celebrate, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, after being placed in that tomb. So turn me, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 7, as we uh, read a couple of verses about a wonderful account here, starting at verse 11 in Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward... Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't Let's just stop here for a moment and, and picture this scene. A mother and her only child, a son. She's a widow. In the ancient world, often women were dependent on their survival from her husband or from a son. And now she was without either. This was a dark time for her a time of depression, a time of hopelessness, and she is weeping, and it's no wonder why she's weeping. She's lost everything in her mind. And Jesus says to her, don't cry, or don't continue to cry. Why not, Jesus? I mean, it's obvious why she'd cry. Now, j just a couple of points here. In ancient funerals in those days, there were four things prominent at a funeral. The first was a tearing of garments. Normally at these funeral processions, there would be those who would be ripping their garments, especially at the chest near their hearts, signifying how they are broken and how they are weeping. Secondly, they're professional mourners. They would go as far as to write songs with specific names, not just of the person closest to the one who died, but other family members in order to extract as much emotion and grief as possible in this emotional situation. Third, there were professional musicians who were hired, most often flute players who would play loud with emotional chords. And then fourth, the procession would often be led 
by women because the idea was women brought us into the world and women should take us out of the world. And so they would lead in this desperate time of funeral procession. And then fourth, um, as well, she was utterly alone, as you often are in, a, in that situation. Broken, seeking only for survival. And in this desperate time, she met two people. One, the angel of death, and two, the Lord of life, who had conquered death. That is who she met. I'm going to go on um, here in the scripture, verse 14. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood speechless. Now, think about how crazy this was. Jewish law said that you could not touch corpse you would be defiled he is a rabbi this is against jewish tradition you know what that guy didn't stay dead this was not a corpse this was going to be a young man who would come back to life this was the most amazing of situations as he would move and notice what he says to him he says young man i say to you get up can you imagine Here's this corpse laying there. Jesus is at the coffin. Young man, get up. You know what happened? He got up. And you know what? I think the first thing he said was, Hi, Mom. Good to see you. <laughs> what an amazing miracle of resurrection of Jesus Christ as he began to move. And then it's beautiful in the scriptures as it goes on. It tells us, um, said, Jesus gave him back to his mother. And, and what this literally means is he was with her and they were taking the grave clothes off of her face. Mother, he could change things in me. Powerful. The grave was not the last word. And you know what? It's not for us either. I love 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. And in that section of Scripture, we are clearly told that there will be a time where we are united with our Lord when the dead in Christ will rise first and, and we wholly will be brought forth before the Lord. Our, our bodies um, who are in God's powerful fashion restored and, and renewed and remade to, to join all of us whole in heaven before our Savior and our resurrected one, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 said that we were dead in our sins, but he has given us life. And I love 1 Peter 1, 3 that tells us, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See that new birth, guys? We have a living hope. Not death as the end, but the living hope of Christ, and it ought to make a difference in the way we live now. When others see you, do they see the joy of Jesus? Do they see the presence of Christ? Um. I read a story recently about a, a man and 
He was being tailgated by a very stressed out woman. She obviously had a terrible day. And they came to an intersection where lights yellow, about to turn red, and he slows down and he prepares to stop. And she is furious because he could have flew through that light. She could have made through the light. She's honking on the horn. She's yelling at him. She's going hysterical. And right in the middle of her rant, there's a knock on her window. And she turns and there's a police officer. And he said, ma'am, step out of your car. Put your hands behind your back. He cuffs her. He puts her in the back of the police car. He takes her to the police station. And she sits there, humbled. A couple hours later, the police officer comes and he says, ma'am, I am so sorry. I have made a terrible mistake. He said, uh, I looked at your car, and I saw around the license plate, around your tag, it, it, uh, it talked about the importance of life, praying for the unborn, taking a right to the sanctity of life. He said, you had a big sticker. It said, honk if you love Jesus. And he said, uh, I also noticed that you had a fish on your car. He said, so the truth was, he said, after watching you, I thought, that's not her car. She stole it. And so I, you know, arrested you and brought you into custody. Made a mistake. <laughs> she wasn't living up to her car. That's why a friend of mine says, he will not put any, it's a pastor friend, I will not put any Christian messages on my car, just in case. Just in case I kind of get in the flesh. Right. All right, Matthew 27 is our second account we want to look at. So turn with me there. Matthew 27, uh, 50 through 53. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So, um, who were these people exactly? Well, we're not given specific names, but what we are told is that they were holy people. They had a relationship with God. They had walked with God when they were alive. And now... They have been brought back to life. Now, they set out on a journey. doesn't say, you know, specifically where they were, just they were in the grave. So they could have been from all over the region. But now they are headed under the direction of the God they served when they were alive before. Now they're still serving as they've been resurrected from the dead and they are headed to Jerusalem, and they have a message. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Now, I'm going to use some what we call sanctified imagination. 
that means the scriptures do not specifically say this, but I just want to use my imagination a little bit. Who are some of these saints? Well, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to take a stab at some possibilities. Maybe one of these saints was Joseph. Can't you just hear Joseph as he moves toward Jerusalem? Someone begins to talk to him, and he says, let me tell you about my life. He said, my own family, there was jealousy. I was thrown into a pit. I ended up in another land as a slave, uh, reunited with my brothers. He said, there could have been bitterness, but God had shown me that he had raised me up so that I could keep others from dying in a famine, so that I could take care of their needs of hunger and provide them food. He says, let me tell you, I am coming to pronounce that there is one who is giving life, who is stopping death, who is giving hope, and that is the ultimate one I serve, Jesus Christ. And that is why I'm headed toward Jerusalem to make this great proclamation. What about Job? (laughs) Maybe Job was one of these. Maybe he simply told everybody, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer Or how about this one? Maybe David. Maybe David sang out, The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus Christ is alive. And I am headed to proclaim that truth to everybody. I sat on the throne of Jerusalem, but he he sits on the throne of the new Jerusalem. Much grander than any throne I ever sat on and much more of a kingdom to hope for. And he is king. And he is mine. Or maybe, maybe Isaiah. Maybe Isaiah's walking along and someone comes up to him and he says unto them, Jesus Christ was indeed the suffering Savior. He was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. He was acquainted with grief. He was pierced for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. But follow him. He is a wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What about John the Baptist? Remember John the Baptist who was beheaded? He's alive. He's walking along, and uh, let's say that, well, you know, and God can take care of everything. He resurrected his head one place and then another place, went back to the grave, he's walking around. You know, this is God. He can handle this stuff, okay? So, you know, John's walking. They say, hey, uh, let me tell you a testimony here. (laughs) He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My sin. Your sin. And he's alive. One more. Let's say there's this couple. Been in the ground a while. Hey, my name's Adam. My name's Eve. (laughs) <laughs> and they're walking along. Let's say they uh, give this testimony. Um, it was because of us sin entered the world. Our rebellion against our Creator brought suffering and death, the toll of work, the corruption of human hearts, the pain of childbirth that started because of us. But because of Him, we are forgiven. God atoned for our sin through the death of innocent lambs. He gave us the promise of the Lamb of God, 
a Savior who would come and crush the head of that old serpent. We're here to tell you that Savior came and he made the final sacrifice, but we're also here to tell you today he lives. He is alive. Listen, guys, as we come to the end of this service, there's really one question that's paramount above others. The question's not, will you live forever beyond the grave? Instead, the question is, where will you live forever beyond the grave? We'll live forever where? Where will we live? And that question needs to be settled today. Jesus is alive, and he wants to give life to all who will come to him. He wants to forgive. And so I would be remiss if I didn't give an invitation and say, if you have not given your heart to the resurrected Christ, who died on Calvary and validated his work is finished and complete by the resurrection, what a great time to do that. What a great day to trust him for salvation, to find new life, and to find complete forgiveness. I love the great church greeting that's been around for centuries. He is risen. He is risen indeed. In the wonderful chorus, risen from the dead, and he is Lord, he is risen from the dead. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Risen, he is risen indeed. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Is he your Lord? Let's pray. God bless you. What an awesome celebration to remember the cross, your perfect death. You are the only one, Lord, who could pay what we deserve, what we deserve, Lord. We praise you for that. And we celebrate the fact that the grave could not hold you. We celebrate the fact that we too, Lord, have hope beyond the clutches of death because you are the Alpha and you are the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You hold the keys of life and death. And Father, we want you to be the Lord of our lives. I pray, God, you would minister to us. And Lord, we don't want anyone to leave here and miss you. So Father, I pray if there is anyone who has not made a commitment before you and said, Lord, forgive me of my sin, enter my heart, give me that new chance, that new start, Lord, today I need you. Father, I, today is the day of salvation. I, I pray that would occur now, Lord. Father, with an altar that's open, with hearts that want to hear from you, I just pray you move among us by your spirit. May we obey you, Lord, whether it's to come to you for salvation or whether it's to turn back to you if, if we haven't walked with you for a while. Uh, Father, whether it's just to celebrate what hope that we have, Lord, because sometimes we forget. Remind us, Lord. Remind us, Lord. Father, move among us in this time we call invitation or response, and may we respond to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing the old rugged cross. If you'll stand, please. Thank you.